Welcome to the VVV Podcast. Today, we are joined by Chris Hogan and Drew Ewing, two lead engineers at Satellite IM. Satellite IM is a fully decentralized peer-to-peer voice, video, and text communication platform. Their initial desktop application supports 4K video chat and streaming, lossless audio, and 4GB sharing capabilities at no cost to the user. Satellite, at its current development stage, is both EVM-compatible and being built on the Solana network, but it is working towards being a chain-agnostic protocol. The platform allows users to sign, encrypt, broadcast, search and store documents or messages with decentralized identifiers, all while making the need for an existing wallet completely optional. All right. Sean, how's it going? Hi, Tom. I'm great, thanks. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. Everybody else will be uh, rolling in here. Hi, Chris. Hey, thank you for for bringing us on today. Yeah, my pleasure. (sighs) Uh, we got one more coming here. Hopefully, hopefully Drew finds his way over. Yes, we are perfectly on time. That's completely fine. Um, can we get? We can also just get started, and then and Drew. Is it okay if if Drew just uh, hops in? Absolutely. Um, hops in later. So, I mean, ideally, what we start with is an overview of what satellite actually is, and then um, you can do a brief intro of you guys personally your roles at Satellite and what brought you all together. Um, Welcome everyone to the AMA with Satellite. We have Thomas, Chris and Drew joining us today and they will give us an introduction to Satellite and its ecosystem and they will start off by explaining and introducing Satellite to us as well as an introduction of themselves. All right, fantastic. So um, I'll kind of be narrating today. Um, uh, I'm Tom McCardell, the Chief Operating Officer at Satellite AM. Um, I'm joined today uh, by Chris Hogan, um, who heads um, software development, and Drew uh, uh, Ewing, who is our Principal Engineer. Um, uh, Drew, Drew says he can't hear anything in, Google, in the Google Meet, so uh, we'll figure out that little technical bug. Um, but um, we're not a, we're a, a decentralized Web3 um, social, social platform. Um, we're pretty passionate about what we're building. Um, we're really excited to share with the kind of community at large here. Um, I'll give you the high level 10,000 uh, uh, foot view of it. Um, largely speaking, um, it's, uh, it's a social platform, kind of a Discord challenger um, built entirely on decentralized uh, peer-to-peer technologies. Um, uh, Drew and Hogan will go into kind of real detail there. Um, but, you know, we started around um, actually not where people think we started. So everybody always assumes we started from a privacy angle and privacy is something that we'll talk upon. And I think it's something that's really compelling. Actually, um, we started in Matt, Matt Wisniewski, the uh, kind of the founder um, who's, who's taking a very well-deserved uh, break here for uh, a vacation for a couple of days um, before our kind of big push uh, to the open access. Um, you know, the problem was, is that kind of existing web two technologies just, uh, had a lot of limitations around, uh, the kind of features, um, and the, the technology it could support. Um, so if you want lossless audio over discord and you want to, you know, record some people streaming a game, um, you just, it just sounds really garbled. Um, and Matt realized that there was just so many opportunities, um, using kind of decentralized tech and leveraging kind of distributed compute, 
um, to build things better, to be able to send larger packet sizes. Um, and then on top of that, you actually have this kind of native Web3 application um, that's really exciting because for the first time ever, you have actually a platform host that actually can't just mine you and exploit your data uh, for their own profit. And that's built in kind of, you know, typical Web3 style in an immutable fashion. So like, no matter how much I decide I want to make money down the road, I can't do it from you. So when you're on our platform, uh, you kind of know the architecture and you know that um, your data stays with you. Um, moreover, um, we hope that that's a feature, but we hope people come because ultimately we offer just a, a better feature set. Um, those feature sets will be developed, uh, like, you know, we are still getting all our feature sets perfect. Um, but that's kind of, um, you know, we have a lot, and I think, uh, you know, we'll kind of detail it today. Uh, we have a launch coming soon. Um, you know, my background, I, I'm the only, you know, I'm the one non-technical person here. Um, I run the business side of it. Um, you know, my background's uh, uh, in private equity. Um, so I'm just kind of the requisite suit. Um, but uh, I think both Chris and uh, Drew uh, have, you know, cool backgrounds and uh, maybe they'll just do like a minute each and then we'll just kind of hop into it. And we thought maybe we would do a quick demo uh, to kick things off um, and then just hop into the AMAs. Um, so um, Chris, do you want to go first? Yeah, so I'm Chris Hogan. Uh, everybody calls me Hogan. Uh, I've been a developer for the last 15 years. Um, I've worked with Matt before on a, a bunch of other projects and a bunch of companies. Uh, so that's how I sort of got involved with him and some of the things that he started. Um, I've actually known Tom for a couple of years now, which is kind of cool. I remember meeting him in Denver. Um, a lot of our people have worked together in the past. It makes us work a little better as a team, or I guess we've already vetted people. Um, and know um, how great they work. Um, and uh, I, I spend most of my time just sort of uh, leading the engineering team. Uh, there's a couple of us that sort of lead it together. Um, and it's, it's a fun time building this and figuring out all the intricacies of building a decentralized chat platform. So. Cool, Drew. Yeah, so I'm Drew. I'm a developer, senior developer on the team. Um, I met the team through Sheldon, who Hogan has known for some time. And um, I focus more on R&D and what's possible, um, kind of more interested in the blockchain side of things and decentralizing things and the reasons behind that instead of just um, for buzzwords, but actually trying to deliver value for the user and make sure that they have something that puts them in control of their data and, and really give them a platform to build upon. Yeah, and then actually one thing I forgot to mention is the founder, Matt Wisniewski, uh, I met in an elevator because uh, he had a lot of coffee and I wanted to figure out what he was doing. So, uh, true story. Um, so that's how I, uh, I, I've i been working with Matt for a while, um, thanks to uh, his, his four cups of coffee that he was drinking all at once. <laughs> Um, cool. Well, guys, um, I, I think I think what would make sense is uh, I think Hogan's going to share the screen. Um, listen, um, one thing that I think is interesting about us, um, opposed to, uh, and not to bash, obviously we love the Web3 community. Uh, there's lots of people out there with a project, an idea, and no product. Uh, uh, we're super proud about the fact that uh, we, we are a product company. Um, we're building things that people can use. Um, um, that aren't just like some random DeFi tool or better Ponzi scheme. This is like actually like usable distributed technology um, that uh, everybody can enjoy here in the next couple couple of weeks. Um, you know, we're going to keep iterating on it. Um, it's all open source. So if you um, watch this or listen to this and you love it, please get in touch with us and build on top of us or come join us. 
Um, so, uh, Chris, you want to just uh, kind of take it away, and I, I will be your satellite IM friend if you want to add me. Yeah. Uh, so just just to quickly uh, kind of put a fine point on that one. Um, so so uh, we're going to be fast out. Uh, obviously, this is this this product by itself. Um, I think is re is is really kind of novel. I think will be the first kind of actual kind of native Web three Web three uh, social platform that actually has you know. A, like an actually kind of immutably decentralized technology, uh, a relatively feature-rich environment. I mean, so right now you're streaming in 4K video, just talking back and forth to each other. So you're going to get a, a crisper picture. Um, you're going to be able to kind of message fast. Um, and, uh, you know, we're hoping that actually the launch of the product also helps galvanize us to get more community people to start build on top of it while our engineers um, will be very quick on building communities. We are quick on building kind of, multi, you know, 10 people, video chat, um, everything else that, that, that you'd kind of expect um, from from this application. Um, I, I think actually what would make sense, Sean, um, and, and we're happy to go back and go through it. Um, I, I think sometimes when people see the application, it, it's cool. Um, and like, obviously it works well, um, but the kind of technology that underlies this thing it, it is really pronounced. Um, I, I will tell you that, um, taking away that kind of easy centralized server and trying to distribute this across, uh, you know, decentralized technologies uh, takes uh, a real amount of effort. And so maybe I thought Drew would kind of hop in um, and uh, just talk through the actual schematic of how it's built. Um, Sean, I had sent you a slide previously. If, if you didn't mind just popping up the Iridium build slide, Drew's going to go like, actually it's get even more sophisticated every, every bit, but um. It, it might be helpful for it to get up on the screen. And Drew, do you want to just kind of talk about the you know workhorse that underlies this technology? Uh, could you repeat once again which slide out of the three? Uh, it's slide two, um, please. And I'll I'll quickly say. So the no, no, satellite no. IM overview or satellite core? Uh, sa the satellite core. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So I have it already on my screen, so um, the community can see it. Okay. Okay. Drew, fire away then. Yeah. So looking at uh, the infrastructure behind Core, uh, we started with some more primitive tech like web torrents and um, simple peer for RTC, and we quickly found some limitations with that. So um, not long ago, we started a rewrite, and we're calling the protocol that came out of that Iridium. Um, and basically, what we discovered is that we could lean on IPFS and libp2p with IPLD schematics to uh, kind of give users control of their own data in a immutable way and allow easy incentivization of keeping that data around between sync nodes and other users. So when a user creates a profile on core, uh, they do so through Iridium. And Iridium takes either the existing user wallet or the 12 phrase seed phrase that we create in the browser for them and we derive a public key and private key from that wallet by having them sign a message. And that message contains some information to, you know, identify this account, uh, hash of the pin phrase so that it can't be easily reproduced. And that um, derived key pair is actually what we use for uh, communications within Iridium. So we create a DID, a decentralized identifier, using that key pair. And then messages between users and in communities are encrypted for the intended recipients using JSON web encryption, JWE. 
Um, and then we have IPFS nodes set up in the browser and in the sync node that support the um, DAG Jose schematic so that we can easily store and reference paths within, you know, advanced data structures um, and really give the user kind of this uh, decentralized database that they can sync between devices using just a CID as their pin and then pin it into their IPNS. And then we can rebroadcast re that CID for them on IPNS so that their data stays around. We can incentivize protocols like file coin or storage or what have you uh, to keep those CIDs around and give the user some uh, level of permanence for data that they alone control. We actually have no visibility into the user database. It's all encrypted um, you know, for the user and their, their friends or whoever they chose to share it with. So we replicate some CIDs for them, but we don't have any visibility into their data. And so, you know, this, this is all kind of um, new discoveries for us, right? We don't need to take the user's data on chain. We don't need to have like an incredibly centralized copy of their database to, without us, they're nothing, right? We can give them a mechanism through which they can run their own sync node. They can build their own communities, run their own copy of the client, and they don't need us. And they can still take their data with them. Andrew, do you want to clearly explain what a sync node, just like at a high level, what a sync node is? Yeah, so sync node is, is really simple, actually. It's just an IPFS instance, Go, or in our case, we're using JS IPFS right now. And then we have a few protocol standards that lie on top of that, um, that use the pub sub layer. And when the user asks me to do this, I'm going to do that, right? And just, you know, kind of uh, centralizing an index and... Um, a copy of the user data, promising them that permanence, um, but doing so in an open, open source fashion where any user can spin up their own sync node, any community can spin up their own sync node, bootstrap off of ours, and they still get the user's data. There's no vendor lock-in or anything like that. Yeah. So when I said it was a, it was relatively, it was, it was a relatively complex endeavor to build this. Um, I, I hope that that came across um, uh, pretty well um, that, and uh, you know, it's something that um just, just for, for the, the developer community who are listening, like, you know, we're, we're, we have a number, we're, we're always happy to talk this through. Um, um, the, the actual protocol um, it is listed, but it's not, it's one of the few things that isn't actually quite open source yet. Um, we, we will make it available, um, but we want to make sure that it's, it's, you know, when it's available, it's not being used in commercial instances. Um, because, you know, we're, we're trying to build a community here, not empower people to build their own little chat app that they suddenly charge people for. Um, so, um, that's, uh, that's kind of where the backbone is of the technology. Um, how that expresses itself is in this kind of platform that we built, um, where, as I said, you're going to have just very feature rich environment. Um, you know, obviously IPFS is a really powerful tool to build off of. Um, and, and there's a really kind of, you know, deep, deep, uh, storage level that, that allows for, you know, us to run, um, you know, a global enterprise, um, kind of. Uh, permanent uh, uh, social network um, uh, without without kind of having just a platform intermediary just kind of governing what can and can't not happen. Um, so that's uh, an overview of satellite. Um, you know, happy to open up for questions um, if if the community has them. Yeah, we have quite a few lined up. So the first question would be, what makes you confident that satellite is going to succeed compared to other companies which might aim to do the same thing or even those who 
only work within the Web2 and centralized space, how do you plan to compete with them and then eventually take market shares away from them? I think that um, we are competing. And one thing that we have that a lot of other people don't is um, we actually have a, a solution that's a lot more decentralized than what any of the Web2 companies have. Uh, and we're getting more and more decentralized. We're making conscious decisions to um, replace tech with decentralized things. And we're custom building a lot of different things to, to get us to this decentralized goal that we have. Um, not every piece is decentralized. Uh, yeah, just to kind of reiterate, I think what Hogan was saying was that, you know, where we are positioned um, as a decentralized and Web3 facing product, we... We empower the user to really control their data. So competing with Web2 platforms is pretty easy. We offer higher video quality. We offer similar storage. And the user owns their data and can spin up their own community. Um, looking at Web3 platforms, most of what we're seeing right now is pretty much messaging focused, not really doing the RTC or the video or screen sharing. And the few that are um, don't really have an application to put forward yet. Um, and then looking towards the future, we're trying to solve problems for our users. So we're looking to build tools for NFT communities and users that are crypto facing to be able to monetize our protocol, build things on top of it and, you know, bring in the things that they have licensed. So if you're the owner of a CC0 or a licensed NFT, we want to empower you to bring that in and make it an emoji or use it as a sticker pack and users that discover it, you'll have the option to potentially monetize that. So we're looking at all sorts of ways to drive value for the early user and for the super user and the casual user, try to keep it as free as possible. Do you think that the ownership of data is something that's actually valued by the end user at this point in time? Or do you think there might be some unawareness which could be growing over the course of the next months and years? I think data ownership is always a very important thing to users, whether or not they realize how they're impacted by it or not. I think um, Vitalik is pretty infamously said that, you know, Ethereum might not exist had it not been for a change to World of Warcraft, right? So giving users the ability to kind of control the technology to a degree and, and take it where they want to see it go with or without um, the, the alignment on our vision I think is important to most people, at least the power users and the developers that might build on our platform. And I think that we're seeing people get more concerned with it. Um, I know personally, um, a lot of people are leaving platforms that they feel uncomfortable with how their data is being used. And we're starting to see like governments like in the EU actually start to take uh, their citizens' privacy more seriously than, than other governments are. So I, I think it's becoming a, a bigger deal um, being able to, uh, control sort of your data online right now. Okay, I see it, Tom. Give me one moment. So now we're all back together finally. So the next question would be give one moment just to make sure that it's not something that we have covered already. Okay, so the question 
you pretty much have already answered, but I'm going to read it out. Uh, it's still a satellite of decentralized peer-to-peer platform that enables others to build apps on it, or is it a project focused mainly on the decentralized peer-to-peer chat app development, or maybe both? We're, we're definitely both. So uh, in addition to Satellite Core, which we demoed earlier, um, we also have a couple other projects uh, in-house. Um, so there's a project we're building called Warp, uh, which is this similar to what Iridium is, uh, but it, it modularizes all those things. So we can bring uh, a lot of the benefits and a lot of the things that um, we're building into Core to basically anywhere. Uh, we want to be able to integrate it with uh, you know, if a game developer wants to use it as the underlying underlying communication layer, like that's great. Like if 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 anybody wants to use it in their app, we want them to use it. Um, so it's it's really both. Okay, thank you. And so the question continues: If it's both, what is the share of effort invested by the team between satellite platform and satellite app? Uh, so we have we have three teams. Um, on the core team, what you saw today, we have I think we have nine or ten developers. Um, we have on the warp team, I think it's four uh, engineers, um, and then we're also working on a, a mobile first, uh, a more lightweight chat app. Uh, we're calling it Uplink, uh, with with two people on it, um, and we also have a dedicated QA team that works across the whole product uh, line. And we also have a UI team that works across everything. Um, so most of our focus right now is on this core and getting this early access out there. Um, but we have full-time dedicated resources uh, working on all of it. And core also, so a lot of the things that you see in core and, and through the back end, which we're calling Iridium, um, are a lot of it's like a testing ground for what will go into the modular version warp uh, in the near future. That gets plugged into everything. Yes, thank you. And so, if you could aim to replace one of the existing centralized platforms, which might also have the largest Web three um, user base, which one would you choose to replace, or which one would you choose to attack first, so to speak? I think, and sorry, this is Tom. Uh, apologies, I had the technical problems, um, but I'll, I'll jump on that one. I, I think we would we would really focus on Discord um, because it's the most complicated. Um, and so, like you know, as far as kind of the feature environment that 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 you know, kind of any of these social applications offer, Discord is probably the most feature rich environment. Um, it offers uh, people kind of a lot of different ways to communicate. Um, you know, I, I think uh, for for us when we took the challenge on, I think just making a uh, a, ch- a you know a text text chat was kind of not enough, and we didn't think it would be distinctive enough, and kind of uh, so we've kind of taken on Discord, um, and uh, I think a lot of the feature sets uh, will be uh, comparable and or better. Um, so that's really our focus right now. Thank you. And someone has mentioned a project which I'm not sure if you're aware of it, but it's called gm.xyc like is it is it one of your competitors is it a project you've heard of yeah we we, we know it um definitely uh i i think competitors probably not the way we, we classify things um you know we're we're kind of <laughs> we we really want um 
you know, we are a business and obviously we want to be successful, but, you know, we're all kind of big supporters of kind of the Web3 movement. And uh, obviously, you know, there's more than one social platform in, in the Web2 environment. There'll be more than one social platform in the Web3 environment. Um, so it's it's a it's definitely somebody that we're going to compare notes with and try to learn from what they're doing and they can hopefully learn from what we're doing. And forgive me if it's an ignorant question, um, but it, it came to mind when I when you outlined the uh, technical background of the infrastructure. Do people need to connect a wallet when they set up their satellite account? Um, they don't need to, but they can. Um, so, uh, Hogan, do you want to kind of just explain uh, the integrations and, and what, what, what we can offer? Um, so there's two methods that you can actually create an account. The first one, which we showed today, you're generating your own key pair without a wallet. Your password gets salted in um, to your key pair, and that's just how you use it. Um, but we also wanted to allow people to secure it with whatever wallet they wanted. Um, so we're integrating a whole bunch of wallets, and you basically use it like a YubiKey or something like that, like a, a secure piece of hardware where you authorize satellite to see your wallet's signature and that actually gets salted in along with your password to make it more secure so it's like a second level of authentication to access your satellite account you have to approve it seeing the signature of your wallet it doesn't have any direct access to your wallet or anything like that or any of the funds or anything that are in it so it could then also could it also be used in a way like um, collab land, for example, where you can already like verify certain holdings of that specific wallet without an additional integration, or would you still keep that separate? So that's not something that we talked about too, or that's not something that's on our roadmap for right away. Um, but it is something we've talked about doing, um, allowing crypto communities or. or or other like NFT communities, the ability to uh, see what's in the wallet and verify that the wallet that uh, shared its signature with the account has an NFT to gain access to a community or has done a certain number of transactions. Like it's something we've talked about and we're still considering sort of what we want to do with that. Yeah. And on the R and D side, we've started prototyping some stuff around that. And I think the direction we'll probably end up going if we do pursue that will be, you know, an opt-in, uh, give the user a way to prove that they own the thing without um, necessarily constantly broadcasting it or allowing someone to see it without their permission. Yeah, I think that there was some rumors at one point that Discord might integrate uh, a wallet natively, and there were a lot of security concerns around that because that platform is already overwhelmed with scammers and you know vulnerabilities or adding like a direct integration would only make things worse than actually make anything better yeah i think that's why our our position of deriving an additional key pair away from the wallet is is really a a choice that we like because it it offers that to the user right there they're kind of you know respecting the dark force principles they're not really broadcasting who they are or what they have unless they choose to do so with a trusted peer. And what would be the underlying business model for what you're doing? Since, since 
I assume that you would potentially also launch a token. So would that, that be a part of the business model or would the business model be separated from that? Yes, yeah, so there's going to be both. And I'll let Drew in a second talk about the actual network that we're going to build and how in the token that, that will kind of power that network. Um, but, you know, the, the, we want to push a lot of the value out to the network. Um, and, and so uh, there, but uh, there will be a business model on top. So maybe, maybe uh, and, you know, all plans are still kind of formative. Um, you know, obviously we're solving a technical challenge first here and then, you know, trying to really incentivize a network second. But Drew can kind of just, talk through quickly, you know, the most recent thoughts. And, and again, these aren't final, um, but how we're thinking about kind of powering a network and, and creating a token. Yeah, so what we're looking at with Iridium is is very similar to what you see with like Filecoin or storage, right? We have users who have compute and storage requirements. And I think what we're looking for is in terms of tokenomics is kind of being a broker, finding users, connecting them to entities, either other users, sync nodes, or, uh, you know, Filecoin storage that will, um, you know, store their data for the amount of time that they're looking for, for a price that they're happy with, right? So we'd like to place ourselves as a broker, or, you know, right now that's what we're looking at or thinking about is maybe we'd like to place ourselves as a broker, uh, connect people that need storage with people that can provide it, connect, you know, communities with apps and swaps and marketplaces and and kind of um, maybe uh, look at a fee model. But again, that's just, you know, what we're looking at on the R&D side. There's a lot to be determined there. Yeah. And then so, so from, a, from a business side, um, just quickly, you know, it, it, it'll be an app store model. Um, for the actual business of it. Um, so, so, you know, people, we, we hope people to integrate in um, in certain, certain discrete spaces. So in, in kind of a, 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 you know, money transfer space, uh, an exchange uh, lock-in, uh, games, um, there'll be some kind of revenue sharing split uh, kind of flowing to the company um, uh, to just make sure that, you know, we continue to be a robust company that can continue to develop the, the application and, uh, and, you know, uh, push, push the network forward. Do you know how Discord actually monetizes what they do? Yeah. So, so, so Discord, uh, I mean, we, yeah, we, we, we kind of know uh, generally how Discord is monetizing. I mean, predominantly they're, they're actually funded just from, from, from the Discord premium accounts. Uh, so, so you know, your 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 kind of nitro account, um, Discord still is 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 you know losing money, so they're still raising um, money, um, and uh, you know, there's definitely been some threats along the way that are not threats, but uh, kind of rumors that Discord may be acquired at a certain point, um, and, and you know, while Discord currently isn't actively mining user data, um, they do reserve the rights to do so in the future, um, so um, you know. My sense is they're spinning a network up uh, to get large to ultimately uh, potentially sell themselves and or start to kind of use user data. Yeah, I mean, they're pretty much sitting on a pot of gold in terms of the data because right now there's not a place where you could connect Web2 data with Web3 data and get some like analysis of the behavior of people who actually... Um, are active in Web3 space. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a, 
the I, I, I would have imagined that the Microsoft acquisition, the proposed Microsoft acquisition would have led to exactly that happening. Yeah, and if we look at the Web3 world, right, uh, you mentioned GM as a potential competitor or someone in our lane. I think Nansen Connect might fit that description a little bit better. And they are a data platform, right? So the Web3 offerings, you also have to ask yourself, how are they going to be using the metrics that they collect there and the data that they collect there? Yeah, and that question becomes more pressing if those platforms remain free to use. Because whenever something is free, then you end up being the product. And the best example is obviously uh, Facebook and Google. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the other questions from the community was, could you expand more on this statement from your website? Satellite is built to be offline first, so your conversation is never left unheard. Would you tell us more how the app will work without a network connection? I think, uh, Hogan, Drew, do you have a, do you want to tackle that one or should I do that one? Yeah, I mean, I can speak to that. I think, you know, the way that we're offline first is just in that we're built on IPFS. You run a local copy of IPFS, so your data is always pinned locally. You have a full, uh, complete copy of your data at any time that you're connected. So if you go offline, that data is still going to be there. You're still going to be able to your messages and do what you need to because you have a local copy of it through IPFS. Okay, thank you. How will, will the satellite app protect users from the scam distributed via DMs? Big issue on Discord. What are you building to make us secure? Yeah, so on the R&D side, uh, we've talked a little bit about you know the potential for token verification. I think that'll be a big part of it. I think another part of it will obviously be you know, uh, getting community owners to verify that they, you know, control some contract or control some verifiable Web3 presence in order to uh, make changes to the to the community, right? They'll need to own the wallet that deployed this contract or, you know, we'll, we'll maybe create some way for them to register and go through, um, you know, some kind of Web2 process to prove ownership if that's what they prefer. But, you know, giving communities a way to say that, you know, I'm actually the person that started this community and giving users a way to see, like, this is a verified community, you know, that that alone, I think, gives them some, you know, idea of safety, knowing immediately when someone DMs you, like, they definitely own that NFT, they definitely are part of that community because they've shared that publicly with you. Those are the kinds of tools that I think we'll be building. And then just giving people access to direct swapping tools and marketplaces within the application where they can kind of engage with this other user without really giving up their identity until they're ready to, but still be able to prove that they own these tokens or the, you know, this contract, whatever. Yeah. I mean, you know, with what you just said, you could probably reduce the scams in the space by 99%. If you had, if you had three things, if you had, the community server 
being verified through someone owning the server, actually owning also the smart contract, then having a verification method implemented where if someone wants to sell you an NFT, then you would also see in his profile on the server or on the platform that he's actually the owner. And also having an integrated um, third-party swapping platform where, you know, like Pseudoswap or uh, some of those, uh, I'm not sure if it's the right name, but those platforms which let, let you trade tokens or NFTs with, it, with each other. Exactly. So if, you, if you had like a verified integration, then you would have, you would simply have no more of those scam links which lead you to sites which, you, which look similar, but then you connect your wallet and then everything gets drained. And I don't know how many times I've, I've heard that exact scam happening to even to seemingly knowledgeable and cautious people. So I think, honestly, the security mechanism for the Web3 users might actually end up being, the, at least from my point of view, the biggest selling point to actually onboard those Web3 communities because yeah, those... Agree. Those scams can be super, super um, harmful, not just to individuals, but there have also been countless cases where entire servers got hacked. So if you now had an instance where no one can make any changes unless the owner wallet or the deployer wallet of a certain contract is connected, that would make it you know, 100 times uh, more safe. Yeah, exactly. Those are the problems that really made me passionate about uh, joining the team here and, and brought me here was I saw the potential to solve a lot of the scammy um, negative behavior I've seen in this space. And I think the thing which might hold Discord back is that they are not entirely just focused on the Web3 space. And to me, it seems like they had made no effort to make anything that's relating to Web3 any safer. Like, it doesn't seem like they have, they have like, even the slightest um, security mechanisms in, in place or fail-safes or whatever to make anything secure. Like, everything is 100% up to you to not get compromised. And then if you have, like, the smallest vulnerability amongst your own account or the accounts you grant certain permissions to, or even the bots you invite to the server, then you're just done, right? You invite the wrong, you invite the wrong, the wrong bot to your server, give him the wrong permissions, and then the server's gone. Yeah, and I think we could even take it a, a level further with the user's opt-in, right? We could have entities like Zach XBT and, and the people that are out there looking for the wrongdoers in the space. We could give them some kind of Oracle mechanism where they can, you know, mark links and addresses and users as bad actors so that when you go to interact with those things, click on that link, talk to that person, you get some kind of warning from the application. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, ju just sharing my, my point of view here, um, I think that's a very strong value proposition. And I think you will have to go out there and find somewhere relatively easy to plug in where your value proposition is very obvious and very attractive to whoever wants to use the platform, right? 
And you might be in a situation where the ownership of data might not be the highest priority on the person's mind. But if you now had, or, you know, if you now have um, the value proposition of the communications platform actually being safe from any kinds of scams or from you potentially losing the server or your members potentially losing the NFTs, I think that could be a strong enough value proposition where you could then eventually start onboarding one community after the other and start offering verified servers, verified accounts, and pretty much the blue check mark on Instagram to owners of smart contracts who have generated X amount of um, trading volume in ETH, for example. Yeah, I mean, I think those are things that we're definitely planning on taking on. Um, just, you know, we have what we have for early access. We plan to get that out there and work with communities and make sure that the next step of verification and security tools that we build are built for the communities with them in mind and not just based on what we think they need. Yeah, and we actually have, um, out of one of the other communities uh, we have worked together in the past, they have, um, they have um, created a tool which I believe is called Mint Defense, which does exactly what you just described earlier, which shows you a warning if you're getting referred to a minting site, which either is not the one you, which is, you know, it, which is not the one it's supposed to be, or which just has any, or asks for any harmful permissions for your wallet. So there's already a certain degree of awareness and a certain amount of demand for those kind of solutions. And I understand, obviously, you need to build out the, the basics first, right? You, you cannot start with the, you know, with something which is like super niche and, and um, special. But just, you know, obviously, for selfish reasons, I would love to have an alternative of a platform which provides uh, a safety net. So, you know, I don't have to check all the permissions on a weekly basis. I don't have to do backups. I don't have to keep up with any of the updates of the bots to make sure there's no vulnerabilities with them. For the peace of mind, the I think the security aspect, and that's obviously only going to grow as the adoption grows as well. I, I think that could be something which is like extremely valuable to what you guys do. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we very much agree. So another question was, data is stored on IPFS, operations are run on Solana. This is what is there on your on your medium. Are there any other blockchains planned for future integration? Yeah, I actually think we need to update that um, because uh, the, the operations being run off of Solana um, is still the case. You can still use your Solana wallet to verify your uh, your identity, but um, you know you can also use an, uh, your ETH wallet um, as well. So we, we tie into Ethereum as well, and we'll integrate in with other. Um, change along the way. Um, so, um, really, IPFS is the is the technology that's powering, uh, you know, the vast majority of our technology stack. Yeah, any on chain operations right now are totally optional. There's nothing that requires a new user to go on chain unless they want to. 
Can you share some details around your token? Um, would the token be also on Solana? And what would be the utility of the token itself? I think we kind of covered that just previously. Um, obviously, it's a, it's, a, it's a working project. Um, I, I think one thing we'd highlight to just the overall community um, is, you know, we're kind of a, a different than a lot of crypto projects that ask you to fund a token with the promise you'll get a product to use. Um, we're going to build a product that's really great, that has a lot of demand. And then um, we are workshopping token ideas um, to make sure that we're pushing value of the product uh, into a network that we push back into the community and, sh and share. Um, but, you know, that's probably, um, you know, the best answer for right now. But, you know, we'll obviously be sharing more as we get closer to that time. Yeah, thank you. And that's a, a welcome change from so many of the other um, projects which we see where the first thing they do is raise money with the promise of the token, either yielding a return or either becoming something with, with great utility and, and they don't even have a product yet. And one thing which all of our investments in the past have all in common is they already had a product when we spoke to them none of them had nothing to show for. And I think that's probably one of the most important aspects where if someone has nothing but a promise, then, you know, you have to have like a extremely solid track record for anyone to, for anyone in their right mind to give you money. And then it becomes infinitely easier if you can actually show something, especially if you can show something that works. And if I understood correctly, you guys want to make your, um, base version available first before even like progressing farther with the races and uh, you know even um, being more concrete about the utility and uh, application of your token. Yeah, that, that that's correct. Yeah, I mean they'll, they'll be we're going to be out with a product here in the in uh, for people to start to you know uh, work on and uh, and enjoy uh, here you know within within the month um, and so. Um, it'll be out. Uh, people will use it. Uh, we'll take feedback. This is an open source project. So we also hope people actually start to give us feedback or, or contribute to the product. Um, but, uh, you know, the token will at some point exist. Um, but we're going to really talk to our community and, and figure out, um, you know, what, what part of the network needs the incentivization uh, to make the network function faster, better, and uh, be more enjoyable from a user perspective. And what are you looking for your test period of um, of satellite? Um, what are we looking for as far as uh, like feedback? Yeah, so, yeah well, so two things. So in terms of who actually tests your your product, like what would be the ideal person in terms of, of knowledge or background or experience, and then what kind of feedback are you looking for? Do you want to do like stress tests where, you know, where there's a timed spike in traffic or is, is it more about the UI or other aspects maybe? Um, I'm going to try the answer and then I'm going to defer to Hogan and uh, Drew here, but um, the answer is very likely to be all of the above. Um, you know, uh, there, there's nothing, this is, this is again, a constantly evolving protocol that we will continue to, um, you know, add, add updates to. And so, so um, any and all comments um, are available. Um, the, the product itself is, should be usable by, you know, 
your mom um, or somebody, or maybe your mom might be very technical savvy, but like just anybody who's, you know, kind of maybe not crypto native um, should be able to use it. This is a, this is a consumer facing application. Um, it should be something that is, you know, used and enjoyed by everybody. Obviously, if you are a developer and you have background and you've been to, you know, our Git repo, like, please do so. Um, but, you know, Drew Hogan, do you have anything else you want to add as far as like kind of ideal feedback we could get? We're gearing up to do an internal release um, with just a small group of like our investors and, and friends and stuff like that in the coming days. Um, but when we open this up real soon to everybody, we want everyone to try it and give us all the feedback from their perspective. And we want to like we want everything, basically. Um, and we want to be able to take it and prioritize it and, and see what people think about things and incorporate that into what we do. So the more the merrier is our goal. And I know Drew's working around the clock to actually bolster up uh, sync node, um, uh, the resiliency of the sync nodes. Um, so that way we can handle, um, we're hoping to handle everything that gets thrown at us. Do you already have a specific date on which the testing will commence or once you will open it up? We do not. Um, we're still doing our internal testing, um, stepping through issues as we come across them, but we're hoping to have more information on that soon, which we'll we'll put out there publicly on our on our social media channels. Okay, fantastic. Because you know our community is very active in in, in hands-on testing, so it would be great to to get uh, a chance to actually test satellite and see how it works in practice. Yeah, we can definitely make it happen. All right, fantastic. Um, you guys mentioned uh, very early on um, that, that you're passionate about what you do. Um, but would you mind, just for the sake of uh, you know, me understanding your, your personal drive for satellite, what is it, what made it important for you as an individual to work on satellite? Like, you know, do you have the intentions of, of changing the world to the better? You know, do you see any current developments in, in societies or, you know, any political events which make you, you know, which make it obvious to you that there's a need for a decentralized messaging platform? Or, you know, do you have other motivations? Yeah, I, I'll kind of... I'll, I'll kind of give the, the, the there's lots of I mean everybody has their individual story um, and maybe just try to give a overall encapsulation uh, of the story um I, I think everybody um from our, our from our side kind of believes in decentralized technologies um you know kind of moving away from uh yeah just just the world moving away from a couple tech monopolies controlling everything. Um, and so, you know, we're all very into the blockchain space and, and what's going on, um, but know that uh, there's got to be an iteration where we get away from just kind of doing a bunch of DeFi with each other. That's just not a sustainable ecosystem to live in. Um, so there needs to be products, there needs to be decentralized products, and we want to be one of the kind of the first ones with real utility Um you know, beyond obviously the layer ones are really important and like they are the basis for which we build upon. Um, but, you know, you really do need an application layer. So you need layer twos. And we want to be one of the first ones that gets away from just the kind of payment transfer problem solving, which we kind of feel has been solved many times. Um, you know, so that's kind of 
point one. Um, you know, point two is yeah, this is this is something that actually goes around firewalls and and would be beyond kind of the reach of uh, of sovereign cens- censorship. Um, you know, the, the world's not a better place for kind of stifling uh, discussion and discourse. Um, and that that's acutely felt in certain countries. Um, it's something that, you know, we feel strongly about and we're excited to, you know, uh, offer what we've built and and get away from kind of a government being able to just say, hey, listen, I want that server data. Give it to me now. Um, you know, somebody could come to, my, you know, our offices and say, I want the server data. And he can say, we just have no way to get it. Um, so you can, you know, do whatever you like to us, but we can't get it. Um, so that, that's a, that's a kind of a second driver. Um, you know, third is it's just really cool. Like, I, I know how to say it, but like, this is really, it's been, it's been incredible project for everybody working on it. Um, and so, you know, there's an intrinsic motivation of having a great team solving a great problem. And we really enjoy that. So I think those would be the three points. Hopefully that kind of, encapsulates it um obviously there you know um, people can all tell individually at satellite everybody has their own story about what makes them so passionate about it so one question which comes to mind is would you have the power to still censor people or to de-platform people from satellite so hobie do you want to talk to you safer really quickly um sure so part of the platform, if you want to host things on satellites, IPFS infrastructure, pin stuff in your free account, um, we are using a service called Safer. Um, we run a few containers in-house um, when you send a picture externally. So you send it to a friend or a video. Um, we do give the sync node the permission to decrypt it, run it through Safer, which is only on our infrastructure. Um if it comes back as not child pornography or anything like that, um, we unpin it from the sync node and pin it for the user that you're sending it to. Um, that's the one piece sort of in the middle. If you want to use satellites infrastructure, um, that uh, it's, it's centralized and it would block the sharing of that. Um, we haven't decided on or figured out what we're going to do with accounts that end up triggering that a lot. Um, we've talked about everything from burning the account, just blocking the image to everything in between. Um, but that's if you're using our own hosted infrastructure and it's sort of a prerequisite to, to having the money in the bank. Like a lot of people are sort of forcing that piece and it's, it's kind of important to a lot of us that we don't let our platform become, uh, a cesspool. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But but even in that circumstance, right? As far as deplatforming a user, uh, the number of levers that we have to pull there is is pretty finite, right? The user hasn't um, been communicating with their actual wallet address. They've derived one from some pin code that they were allowed to enter. There's no theoretical limit to the number of pin codes that a user could come up with. So, and they and they get the data locally. So there's nothing stopping users from migrating around any censorship um, that we might put in place for a chat. It's just file file sharing where they're going to have a hard time uh, without a centralized entity. You know, the, the thing with the more privacy-aware messaging apps is that 
some of them, you know, like um, Telegram or you know maybe some more exotic ones like Wicker, they end up ha getting used by a certain uh, by a cer certain uh, circle of individuals. And you know, do you have anything? Because it's, you know, it's, it's a it's a it's a fine balance between freedom of speech and then potentially opening it up to like radical groups forming within your platform, right? And then maybe misusing it for for those um, cases, right? I mean, you would also be have to be aware of you know, potentially like terrorism or you know like you know some of those very uh dangerous things like have you thought about that as well yeah we have i mean i, I guess i would take it like it's actually it's just a pro i mean like i don't say it but um there there is there is uh kind of many forms to to discuss um you know reprehensible kind of activities um, and even from a server, like just a normal, like kind of centralized server perspective, uh, the, the web two guys really struggle with it. Uh, that's an evolving thought. Um, obviously, obviously, you know, we're going to do everything we can to, uh, um, you know, try to try to help, help the, the, the prevention of kind of, uh, reprehensible activities. Um, but you know, the, the overall bias of, of all kind of systems is they have to, they have to bias towards free speech. That's something that is, um, you know, really important to us, really important, hopefully to, you know, many people. So, um, you know, it, it's an evolving, it's an evolving thing. Um, nobody's worked out exactly how to kind of cut off discord around reprehensible activity. Um, but, um, you know, initially we're going to start from, uh, you know, free speech and discussion is something that, that, you know, needs to be uh, kind of immutably uh, in, put in place uh, for human beings. Yeah, I agree. And if I understand correctly, so you want to put freedom of speech first and then you know, any problems which might arise from that fix those later on. We're going to continue. I mean, we're going to, yeah. I mean, so I, I would say we all put freedom of speech first. We're going to continue to use best practices um, uh, as others kind of, as technology becomes available that we that, that we can interject that doesn't unduly uh interfere with free speech uh you know as we did with safer um where, where where you know obviously there's a known knowable problem um and we we quickly you know there's a technology solution we use that technology um you know well but um yeah we will always bias towards free speech okay thank you and lastly what is the question which you wished that we asked is there anything which we missed or anything you would like to talk about Um, yeah, that's a, uh, the question that we wish you guys asked. That's, that's a, that's a trick. That's a tricky one. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I guess, I guess the, the, you know, the, the question that would be, what is, is interesting is, uh, around kind of, uh, what, um, you know, kind of what interdependencies our platform has. Um, on other technologies, and uh, and so I, I would tell you that that that's something that we're really proud to say that you know really what how we've architected is entirely kind of proprietary. So Iridium is just natively built by us. Um, that you know, so we're not using 
any kind of other third-party services out, out beyond kind of just using the the layer one of of, of IPFS. Um, you know, and we're, we do integrate lib P2P, um, but generally speaking, um, this was built from the ground up. Um, so this isn't just kind of a collection of just, you know, plugging in a bunch of existing technologies and calling it a chat app. Um, this was really thoughtfully built uh, from the ground up and it's something that we're a fact that we're really proud of. Um, so um, if the application does not work, um, it will be because uh, we did something wrong. Um, we're not going to be one of the many platforms to say, oh, you know, it doesn't work, but it's not our fault. Yeah. Um, or we can't control the outcomes. Yeah. For example, like the Twitter stream doesn't buffer correctly. It's not Twitter's fault. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So what we might want to do is um, maybe we can mobilize some of our developers and engineers to um, would you be okay if I shared the technical slide overview uh, with our community? Yeah, absolutely. We, we would welcome it. And, uh, you know, um, Tom um, at uh, satellite.im um, all kind of take the lead in, in chatting and, and, you know, obviously we, we, we really always welcome and appreciate uh, inputs, discussions, um, and we can make resources available insofar as, you know, we have resources available at the time. Yeah, because what what my idea would be that, um, you know, we have a lot of developers and engineers in our server. So when I share that, that uh, overview, we might be able to mobilize some of the more knowledgeable people um, to do a deep dive in, in the underlying technology and, um, you know, ask some more detailed questions about. And, and you know, maybe not, not just ask the questions, but also maybe... Uh, acknowledging more how much effort and expertise actually has gone into the underlying technology. Yeah, and if you have any more questions or ideas and or you just want to talk about how your day is going, you can reach Kevin at satellite.im. He'd love to hear, hear from everybody. Okay, let me just write that down because then I'm going to share it in our server as well. Kevin at satellite.im and then Tom's email I already have, so I'm going to share those in our channels as well. And excuse me, and you know I don't want to uh, you know hold off, hold you guys too long. Um, and I also don't want to touch on a topic which you might not be comfortable um, talking about. But just out of my own curiosity, um, for the investors which you currently picked for um, participating in your previous rounds, ha have all of those been? Um, you know, strategic partnerships, like what are the things which you have looked for in them as partners in terms of what kind of value or expertise they could provide to you? Yeah, I mean, everybody's everybody's strategic in nature. I mean, I, I think we we think about it, um, you know, about people who uh, share uh, share our values. Um, very much. Um, so, so, so that that's kind of the condition precedent. Um, we we really do want people who, who, who are passionate about the problem we're solving. Um, you know, obviously, there's a commercial aspect to every investment you get, and we're we're very cognizant of that. Um, and you know, we think we've built something really special. But uh, first and foremost, we wanted to make sure that we had people who were kind of strategically aligned to us. Um, you know, secondly, um, they are all um, they. You know, especially uh, the the three largest investors, they've all authored any multi-billion-dollar outcomes um, for platforms um, through the token, through the equity of the company, 
um, they are what I consider kind of the absolute A-list of uh, investors. So we're, we're really fortunate to have them um, and have their guidance. Um, and so, yeah, we, we spend, uh, you know, uh, like to, to, to put in a quick brag, you know, we had a lot of people knocking on our door um, around this project. And really the people we, we worked with were the people we felt were just like the brought the most value um we have marketing calls we have development calls we have every kind of call imaginable um with their with their um uh, you know their their in-house team um to help advance this and so i can't say enough good things about our current investor base and if you obviously only if you're you know if you're allowed to disclose it or comfortable in doing so uh which are those three um you know would you oh you public record yeah, yeah. So, so uh, multi-coin capital, framework ventures, and hashed are the are the three are, are were the the the, the kind of the, the three uh, you know very substantial investors. But we've had we have a lot of other really great investors. Uh, I don't want to just 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 talk about them. Um, and so, in tech, multi-coin and framework led the round. Um, and, and again, they're just I mean everybody in the the, the kind of Web three community knows them. They're they're really. <laughs> the best, some of the best funds are really that there are out there. Um, but, you know, we had Solana in, we had IDO in, um, uh, you know, we've had, we have a lot of, uh, I, I can pull up the whole list, but there's, there's a lot of great funds. Um, and so um, it's something that we're proud of and, uh, and we work ev- with everybody very closely. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. Obviously, you know, there's also something which is uh, my and our team's own interest to, to get some more insights there. And it's great to hear uh, if, the, if the way in which you pick your partners and investors, if that aligns with how we have done, uh, how we have established our relationships on our end. Because it, you know, we only made investments whenever we felt that there's chemistry between us and between the community and that specific project and also only if the intentions and expectations of both sides align as well. And in, in the case of uh, our recent investments, Nickel Doodle, for example, we work very closely with them. And after our investment, we have started to, to work even closer with them and provide them with value and provide them with the manpower of the community, for example, for uh, some of the upcoming events. And whenever, as an investor, whenever you can partake in helping your investments to become become more successful or to increase the scope of their successes i think that's something which is really exciting and that obviously only works if you actually enjoy working with each other right and for that the chemistry has to be right the uh, expectations and the vision has to align and overall i think being in the space and, and you know talking to you guys, for example, all of that is, is broadening, broadening the horizon of, of, of myself, of the team and of the entire community. And I think learning how everyone makes their decisions and how important the, the human side in all of this is when money really is just a commodity makes it a lot more easy to understand what's actually going on because though not all of those investments are, are strictly based on ROI and you know just getting the best returns right 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I couldn't said it better myself. Um, and, and, and ultimately, we're going to build a really um, profound social platform. Uh, we love people coming along with us um, as uh, whether, whether they work for the company or whether they're investors in the company. Um, it's all part of this kind of community movement to, to build something that, um, yeah, just is one of kind of the first Web3 applications that uh, kind of really moves us beyond just kind of DeFi tools. All right, Tom, Chris, and Drew, thank you very much for joining in today. And my apologies for the mess up of the uh, initial stream. I'm going to check the footage. If it's usable, uh, then we will keep it on our, on our Twitter account. And then people can hopefully restream and see everything um, sharp and crisp. And um, otherwise, we're going to make the recording of this current Twitter space event available. And we're probably going to um, yeah, delete the previous one uh, where we cut out. But we're going to make it as easy as possible for everyone to re-listen and to make sure that they can extract as much value out of this AMA as possible. And I would suggest, if you guys would be open to it, um, that we stay in touch after the AMA. Um, and that we collect some more feedback from the community, from the AMA, and from your slides. And then once you open it up to um, a broader audience to test your app, um, that we jump right in and help you with the testing process. Fantastic. Fantastic. Looking forward to staying in touch. And, uh, you know, please, uh, have anybody who is interested, uh, my email's out there, Kevin's email's out there. Um, we're, 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 uh, yeah, passionate, um, about this project. And if you share that passion, we'd love to hear from you. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks everyone for joining in and my apologies again for the initial technical difficulties. Uh, uh that was a lesson learned. We're going not. Thank you all. And, and thank you, Michael, for introducing uh, us with your community. So have a good one, yes. everyone. Yeah. Big thank you to Michael. He made the intro with satellite. Thank you, Hogan. Thank you, Drew. Thank you once again for tuning in and talk to you soon. Bye-bye. This recording has been prepared and made available by VVV. It is for informational purposes only and should not be considered a solicitation to sell, buy or subscribe to any financial instruments or products. VVV does not express any opinion as to the present or future price of any instrument mentioned in this recording. The information provided in this recording is believed to be valid and accurate on the date it is first published but VVV, along with its directors, officers and employees, does not accept any liability for any loss arising from the use of this information as it may change in the future without notice. Any decision made by a party after listening to this recording shall be on the basis of its own research and not based on the information and opinions provided by VVV.